Um, all right. So welcome back to What God Has Done With My Pain. On this week's episode, we have Mercedes. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and give us a little bit about yourself? Hello. Hello. Thank you so much, Emily, for having me on here. I feel so blessed. I'm so grateful that God put this in my path and in my life. Uh, my name is Mercedes. I am 27 and I'm Canadian. Um, and you, if you look for me on TikTok, my name's God Changed Her. That's the name of my ministry. And I am just a you know, I'm an imperfect person who has been so fortunately blessed to have had the Lord's influence on my life and just have God come and really open my eyes and take off the scales and make me new. Wow. Wow. I love that. And again, I, I can't stress enough how incredibly grateful I am to even have you on the podcast and um, just when we talked on the phone, you were able to share with me just some of the goodness and greatness that God has already done in your life. And so I guess my question to you right now, kind of um, let's go back in time. You know, uh, what was it like for little Mercedes? Because uh, I asked this question because God talks about childlike wonder. So what was it like for little Mercedes, you know, and, and, and when did that start to kind of change for you in the sense of like, when did pain start to become introduced and um, when they change, get introduced and like, where were you growing up at the time and, and what things took place that occurred that affected that, but also, you know, just anything about you as a child as well. Cause like, I feel like we're all just big kids and sometimes we can forget what that's like now. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, as I reflect back on my childhood, I see a lot of how the enemy tried to make me believe that I was a certain way and believe that I was unworthy and I was unlovable and all of these things. He's such a liar, even from a really young age. And my dad, my dad cheated on my mom and left my mom for another woman when we were just babies. My, my brother was mm. four months old. I was about almost two years old. And so I grew up without having my dad around and that honestly crushed me from such a young age. You know, I know a two-year-old, most people would think, well, they're not going to remember. They're not going to, they're not going to know. Um, but I really did. I knew that my dad wasn't around and mm. my mom always tells me like you and your dad, he loved you so much. He would like come home and you would go and you would sniff his work boots and almost throw up. And <laughs> <laughs> but, but she said like, Merce, you were his entire world. And you look back, mm. you look back at the baby pictures of us and you can just see like, he was such a good dad to me in that time. So, so when that absence, you know, when, when the absence was there, you could feel it. Yeah. From a really mm. young age and from a really young age, I, I, I developed this sense of hope that he was always going to come back for me, that he was mm. going to, wake up one day and realize that he needs to be with his kids or he needs to come down for our birthdays. And like, I can't tell you every single birthday until I was a late teenager, I thought maybe my dad's going to show up and surprise me. Oh. And oh. from a really young age, I saw that I think it hurt my dad 
to see my brother and I because he knew what he had given up. And Mm. I think because that hurt him, it was difficult for him to spend time with us. And, you know, guilt is something that the enemy sends. So I can see now at this age and, and having God in my life, I can see where the enemy also worked on his life, you know, mm-hmm. adultery, guilt. Um, and I can see where the enemy really played a part in him not being the dad that I needed. But because he left when I was a kid, I grew up really thinking that I wasn't worth, I was never worth coming back Mm. for, you know, I would call, I remember calling him and being like, please just like, call me more. I just want you to, I need you to show that you care. Call me more. And he'd be Mm. like, yes, I'm sorry. I love you. I really do. And then he wouldn't call. Yeah. And I would think that maybe he's going to show up to these events. Maybe, maybe he's just going to show up to surprise us. And as a little kid, you know, you have so much hope and you don't really know, you don't, you, you you don't have the understanding of everything that's happened in the background. Now, as a 27 year old God fearing woman, you know, my mom and and somebody who has a really close relationship with her mom, my mom often says like, Merce, your dad and I weren't a good match. I wish I was nicer to your father. My mom says that when we were born, she became so much of a mama bear that she really let that relationship slip. So my mom takes accountability and responsibility for where she was in the relationship too. But I remember as a kid, I remember being so mad at my mom and not understanding why my mom and dad weren't together. And we lived four hours away from him. So I was mad at my mom Mm. four hours away and I put everything on my mom. And I remember, I can't remember how old I was, but when, when she finally told me like, Marsh, your dad left us for another woman. Well, I think she said me, she said, your dad left me for another woman. Like, what was I supposed to do? Mm. She regrets that when we talk about it now, she says, I wish I had never told you that because from that moment on, and I was pretty young. I think I was maybe like 10, 11, 12 years old when she told me about that. Mm, and those but, are primitive years too, where you're learning your kind of like development and you're transitioning from child to like preteen. Wow. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I, I don't have a lot of memories from my childhood, but I remember, I remember telling kids on the playground, like, yeah, my dad left me for another woman. And from such a young age, I saw I didn't see it as my dad leaving my mom. I saw it as my dad leaving me and my dad cheating on me and my dad not picking me. And, you know, he, he ended up getting Mm. married to that other woman and I love her now. You know, I really do love her now and she makes my dad happy. And I think everything worked out, you know, the way that it was supposed to in a way, but yeah. Growing up, always feeling like somebody was never going to pick you really had an impact on my self-esteem. It had an impact on the way that I sought male validation. It had an impact on my relationship with God. It had an impact on every single part of my life from a really young age. Yeah. Wow. And, and again, like, 
I think that you mentioned that your mom, or you did mention, but you talked about how your mom regretted it because she could see the shift in you. Because before then, you know, you wanted him to call you more and you wanted to talk to him more. And then that realization of, oh, he left and he didn't just, you know, get up and left willy-nilly. Like there's an, a reason for it. And I can only imagine that that can be such an incredibly difficult thing to deal with at such a young age, you know, uh, especially when, again, like there was that relationship and then, then there was that absence and you could feel it, you know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, a bad example, but kind of like when a pet dies, I don't know if yeah. you ever experienced that, but like, you know, you've, you've gone every single day watching them greet you at the door and all of these things. And then it goes from that to, oh, that's right. They're not here anymore. And that's not a thing anymore. And you know, that it's just that, that kind of like fizzles out. And you talked about like, you know, he would walk through the door, you know, and to you, it's like, he's not walking through the door anymore. There are no boots for me to go sniff. Like there's just this shift in your atmosphere and there's a whole body and presence that is just gone and absent. So again, like that's a really difficult thing to endure at such a young age. And how would you say, um, cause you know, at that point you're transitioning into your teenage years. So what was it like, you know, becoming a teenager? Um, what were you dealing with there? You know, did you grow up, um, in that time Did you grow up, you know, thinking about God, having a relationship with God, or did you know about God, but didn't, weren't at the place yet where, you know, like, you are praying and reading your Bible and you're aware of what that means. Cause again, for me, like growing up, I knew about him, but I didn't have a relationship with him. Yeah. So my mom, she put us in the church from a really young age, amazing testimony. She was looking through the yellow pages, the phone book, mm, yes, yes, share it. a church. And she was looking for a church that had a daycare because my brother and I were just babies and as she's looking through the yellow pages, calling all of these churches to see if any of them has a daycare, this woman knocks on her door and she's from Glad Tidings and they're a church with a daycare. So oh, wow. God is just so good. Like he just, he really shows up in all of those moments. So from a really young age, we went to church and Church was hard for me because my family didn't look like other families looked like, you know, divorce is still a really stigmatized thing in the church and it often falls back on both parents. And I mean, in my case, it definitely was both parents, but um, my mom took a lot of the heat for it and my brother and I took a lot of the heat for it. Mm -hmm. So church was difficult growing up and I hadn't really thought about it until I was meditating on this podcast and God reminded me of this this week, but I was so angry at God for putting me in the situation that I was with my dad. I was like, God, how could you possibly let this happen to me? And I didn't know God's love. I didn't know his compassion. I didn't know his grace. So I just saw him as this dude in the sky who, you know, ran everything and had all of these rules, but was so okay with letting a kid's life be ripped apart. Mm. Because that's really how it felt that my life was completely and totally torn apart. There was nothing I wanted in the world more than my dad. And no matter what, I never had that. And then I was surrounded by kids who did have dads 
And I got to watch what healthy relationships looked like from the outside. But here I am having to beg my dad to include me in his life. Like, you know, Drew and I, we weren't invited to their wedding. We weren't, Mm. we weren't a part of their life like that. We would go down and ask for family pictures and we never got any. I have no pictures with my dad since I was a baby. Mm. And all of those things I would bring to God and I would be so mad at him. And then I also didn't see him as a father. And I also didn't know how he could love me. You know, growing up as a teenager with all of this baggage, it really led me to this really toxic cycle with men and male validation where I wanted to prove to myself that I was worth loving and worth someone sticking around for while simultaneously proving to myself that every man will cheat on me and every man will leave. Mm, And it just created this such unhealthy, toxic, toxic relationship after relationship where really good guys who didn't deserve it at all. Like shout out all my ex-boyfriends because you dealt with you dealt with some trauma. <laughs> but but these really nice guys who didn't deserve it, who loved me for me, I was always pushing them away. I was always trying to find a way to make them admit that they were gonna leave so that I could reinforce the lie that the enemy had sown into me at such a young wow. age, which was that you're, you're always going to be left. Nobody is going to stick around for you. Nobody's going to come back for you. Mm. Nobody's going to fight for you. And that was a big thing. Relationship after relationship. I like to get in fights so I could see them fight for me because I never saw my dad fight for me. I never saw his family fight for me. Wow. And that is, that is so good because, um, I can relate only, you know, of course we have different backgrounds, but I can relate to, you know, not having a father. Um, Mine was a little slightly different. And, you know, those who heard the first episode know all about that. But mine, I mean, mine was in my life up to an age, but I told my mom to leave. I said, why are you still here? You know, this is like watching her get hurt, watching myself get hurt, watching the condition that we were living in. And it didn't make any sense to me, but I still hurt because I would see other people with, you know, with their parents and their dads, or even as a stylist, like before I went through the healing that I had to go through creating the podcast, like I'd have clients say, especially like college kids would say like, oh, my parents were going on vacation, or they'd have a group chat with their parents. And I remember being like, what is that like to have that type of unity? And, you know, and I also went through that thing where I just want to validate you because, wow, I had the same problem, you know, because <laughs> I wanted to fight because I wanted to see if you were willing to fight for me. Like, am I worth the fight for you when things get hard? Are you going to, you know, fight for us? Are you going to fight for me? And no matter how ugly it gets and, you know, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say necessarily healthy to argue and fight. It is healthy to, you know, fight for one another, like, you know, through sickness and health. But in the way that you mentioned it, I can absolutely relate to what you were going through because I, I too fell into that pattern of, um, just being, I, I want to say sensitive and, and angry and starting an argument just because I was like, all right, got to test it. That was a, a month yeah. ago. Got to see if it's still valid now, you know, did it renew itself? So I, I just wanted to tell you, like, I really see you in that. And I also can really relate to you 
um, in that experience because I too, you know, fell into that same lie and, and need to validate myself through arguing. Um, and that can, you know, that is so damaging for us because then we think that's normal, but then that's also damaging for the other person because they're fighting and they don't even know why they're fighting so constantly. So I just wanted to say that was beautifully explained on your end because I was like, wow. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. You know, I love what you've said, validation. That's really what it comes to is, you know, my mom did a great job. You know, she, she did a great job of making me confident and making me independent and making me feel pumped up, but there was nothing my mom could do to take away that yearning for validation from my dad. And that led to me trying to validate myself through different men. And one of the ways that I felt the most validated was through sex. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody, nobody doesn't like you when you're fooling around with them in that moment. Everybody's eyes are on, you know, all the eyes are on you that there's no outside world. And I really, I would really turn to it as a comfort and I would really turn to it to validate myself late into my late twenties that I'm wanted and I'm worth it and somebody will come back for me. And Mm -hmm. even if I was going through these, these vicious cycles of being with the person that I'm not supposed to be with, I would you know, fool around with them or sleep with them. And then for a moment, everything seems fine because you're back on top to being wanted. You're back to, back to feeling that validation that you're so desperately missing in your home life. And at the time I, growing up in high school, you know, daddy issues was a really big thing. Uh, and I think it still is, but like I fell into that stereotype so hard and I almost used it as a crutch to validate the actions that I was doing and be like, oh yeah, you know, this is my dad issues, which is in part true, but there wasn't a part of me that was like, okay, I'm going to do something different. It was, yeah, you know what? My dad left me. So and girls with daddy issues do these things. So I'm going to do these things. And I've really tried to validate myself through the world from that from a really young age. Wow. Yeah. And it's just incredible um, hearing you talk about all of this because, you know, uh, it, it it's, you know, it's an actual effect that it can have on us, but how we each perceive it or how the lack of a father figure, or even, you know, I've had someone on here who talked the lack of her having her mother because her mother passed away. Um, it can, it can be so impactful, especially at such a young age for us. And then when we're transitioning, we can, um, lose ourselves even more in the world when we are at that, you know, preteen teenage stage. Cause you know, I feel like even for me, like I've always sucked with cars and I, for a long time, my excuse was, well, I didn't have a dad to teach me any of this because people would look at me like, shouldn't you know this? And I'd be like, I don't know this. You know, I don't have the dad that was like, come out here and let me show you how to change your oil or come out here and let me show you how to check, you know, your antifreeze. I had to learn by my car itself, like conking out on me because I'm like, oh, something's not right. And, you know, 
people look at you at the mechanic shop and like, you didn't, you didn't know that you needed to put air in your tires more every time. Like, like I knew, but I didn't know. And I would question myself. So it's like down from like the importance of having them there to even just the minute things of them teaching you how to do, for example, like even uh, I think now I'm, and I'm sure there are people who are listening who have that absent parent, but like, if you're moving, like, who am I going to call? I've got to figure out if I have a friend or friends who are willing to help me move because I don't have parental figures that'll drop. Yeah, I've seen, I live in an apartment complex and I've seen people, their parents roll up, they've got everything and they've got the trailer, they've got the muscles. They're like, all right, let's go, go, go. And I see that as same thing in our lives when it comes to when you don't have a parent in every day, you know, you don't have someone showing up to help you carry that baggage to, to tell you what to do with that baggage. And one parent is great. Um, but there's a reason that the Lord designed it with two because you need, you know, they, they both work so beautifully together in that teamwork. And when one is missing and, um, and it, and their presence is so loud to you, you start to kind of try to find your way through other other things and and discover yourself. And when you don't have the the guidance, because like, again, having a mom is fantastic, but then having a dad, and I'm sure you've seen the TikToks where it's like me taking my daughter to Paris so that she's not impressed by her, you know, by you taking her to Miami or something. Yeah. Um, so all of these little things you don't think about, but because I was, when I saw that TikTok for the first time, I'm not even going to lie. I was like, oh, I was that person who was impressed going to Florida with that one person. But all of that to say is that like all of the things that they do can build us up, but can also build us down, you know, all of that. So it's just, again, so beautiful how you've talked about how this affected you and, and how this led you down on a, on a particular road. So, and I know that when we talked on the phone, you also talked about like, you know, you transitioned out of, um, the teenage and you went into your adulthood and this is really where, I mean, I think you mentioned and correct me if I'm wrong, but you did discuss drinking as well. Was that before the legal age or around the legal age when you started to also dabble a little bit with alcohol? Oh, way before the legal age in the town that I grew up in, there was a big drinking culture and I think I was so insecure and I think I was so ashamed of the lifestyle that I was living from a really young age and just who I was, that alcohol was a big escape for me. Like I was oftentimes the drunkest girl at the party. I wouldn't just drink a few drinks. I would drink to blackout. And there was often times where I would wake up and have no idea what happened from, I think I started drinking from about 16. And as I transitioned out of high school, uh, it got worse. I, I got into drugs. I got into weed. And then I got into some heavy, hard drugs. And just the combination of the three really wrecked my psyche. And I think that at that point in my life, you know, I I I was so angry at the way that my life was. I was angry with the choices that I was made. I was angry with my dad. And by this point, my dad had had two other kids who are amazing and they're phenomenal. And I I absolutely adore them. But I was seeing my dad be the dad that I so desperately wanted to -hmm. these two kids. I was seeing them go on family vacations with our entire family without my brother and I. Mm -hmm. I was seeing them, you know, do the family photo shoots that I used to ask, can we do I was seeing him coach their teams. I was seeing him be at dancing recitals and bringing her flowers. And 
And I was just so angry. I was angry at my stepmom. I was angry at my dad. I was angry at my mom. And I was angry at myself that I had made the mess that I had made in my own life by the time I was 18, that I, I just spiraled into this really deep depression. And I wanted my dad to notice me so bad at that point in my life. And the devil was so loud. Like, I remember, I remember him saying, like, nobody's ever going to love you. You are never going to find somebody who cares about you and who's going to stick around. Your life is never going to get better. Nobody likes having you around. And that, that would just play constantly in my head that for a few times I tried to take my own life at that age of 18 or 19 years old. And my poor brother, we were living together at the time, just him and I, my younger, you know, baby brother would pick mm. me up off the floor after I had tried to do it and take me to the mm. hospital. And that was, I think that was the pinnacle that my life really started to shift and change. Yeah. And wow, like I can definitely just say I'm so incredibly grateful that, you know, the Lord's hand was over you during that time because that yeah. voice can be so over mm -hmm. and that in that darkness, it can be so loud and overpowering, even your own thoughts and convincing that like, you know, you can't, it's not going to get better. No one's going to love you. You're useless. And all of these, all these lies that are quite opposite of the truth. Um, and, you know, with all of that you said with the drinking too, before I forget, like, did it, when you were drinking so much that it like still tastes like alcohol or that at some point, was it just like your tolerance went through the roof with it and you, or was it like, okay. even though the taste was still strong, you were just trying to black out? I have never liked alcohol. Alcohol and I, we, I've, I've, I don't like the taste <laughs> of it. I don't like the taste of coolers. Like I I've never enjoyed it. Um, but what mm. I did enjoy was not feeling like myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I, I only wanted to ask, um, because there was a season in my life as well. And I, I've always hated it till this day. I can't, I can't even drink wine. I can't be fancy and like try to have a glass. So I was just curious if like for you, that, if that taste had shifted or if regardless, it was just that need to, you know, not feel anything that overpowered the, the yeah. taste that you were getting. Um, and yeah, and it's another thing too, it's what you were talking about of getting to that point where, and again, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, you know, and at yeah. whatever cost. Um, and I feel like, did your brother and you ever talk about that incident ever again after it happened or was it like it happened? Let's not really talk about it. No, that's a great question. I don't think, I don't think we've ever talked about it. You know, my brother and I, we probably one day we're going to have a big, long sit down about what it was like mm -hmm. growing up because, you know, I missed my dad, but I had my mom. We, we got to go for pedicures, yeah. got to go for manicures. We went for sushi. We went to go see rom-coms. My brother didn't have that. He, mm. my mom's not the fishing type of mom, like the car stuff. I totally get it. I was laughing when you said, it's not my fault. I didn't grow up with a dad because that's still <laughs> in my house. Like my stepdad will be like, kill the spider. And I'll be like, I didn't grow up with a dad. <laughs> I 
just said that last week. I was laughing when you said that. Um, but my brother, he really, he really took the brunt of, mm. of not having that parent with him. And my mom and I were so close and Drew and my mom didn't have the, the hobbies to bond over the wow. same way that I did with her. So, and, and I wasn't a great sister, you know, I, sometimes I was, but I definitely knew that I definitely got him in trouble with some things. I lied about some things and I blamed them on him. And, mm. and uh, yeah, one day him and I are going to have a really long sit down and just air it all out in, in God's perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with, and, and on that topic, um, what is your relationship with your brother? Like, you know, are you guys close right now or, or is he also, um, walking with the Lord, um, or any of that stuff going on right now? He's not walking with the Lord yet. I I fully believe mm. that my brother is going to be a man of God. I, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that God is going to do it. I've had like sisters from out of country send me voice notes and be like, your brother's prophetic. Like your brother mm. is a prophetic man of God. And I'm like, wow. we're, we're keeping that one. And we're going to relate yeah. back to that. Whatever God's timing does it. Um, my brother and I, you know, we will always be, we will always be tight. We've mm. gone through seasons where we're mad at each other. We've gone through seasons where it's been more difficult than other seasons. And from things that he's done or things that I've done and ways that we've spoken to each other. And so we've, but at the end of the day, like, I know he will always have my back growing up. It was always me, Drew and mom. So mm. me and Drew no matter what happened, we went through it together. You know, Drew would hold me when I would cry and I would hold Drew when yeah. he needed it. And I don't think that'll ever change. Wow. Okay. Awesome. I, I wanted to ask just because like similar, my, I have a brother and he's not, he's not uh, walking with the Lord either. And I, I can relate to what that's like, you know, loving them and, and praying for them and, and having that relationship with them. And so I was curious on what that was. Um, and did you as well? Because um, around this time too, I want to I want to say that like New Age started to kind of we're around the same age, so I feel like New Age around our teenage to adulthood started to really kick off. We started to see a lot of more, especially with the internet and YouTube kicking off and all this stuff. Like, did you ever get? And I'm not saying like really deep into New Age, but did you ever get caught up in the? Um, before I lose my words, is it? Um, the horoscope stuff and the um, vibes and like the I'm manifesting and the crystal, like, did you ever fall into any of that stuff around that time or have you been in, you know, not around that time at that time, I actually read a book by Connor the rock that's called mindset is everything. And it really, it changed a lot of things for me and it's not a Christian book, but I can see where some of his principles are actually Christian principles. Like life and death is in the power and the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. He talked about uh, an experiment that these, that they did on these two plants and one plant, they said, I love you. You're amazing. You're fantastic to it. And the next plant, they said, I hate you. You're worthless. Nobody's going to love you. 
and the plant that was given praise flourished and the plant that was spoken to negatively actually died. And it really opened up my eyes at the time that the the things that I was saying to myself, well, now I can realize that it was the enemy saying to me, but I didn't know that at the time. I didn't have the the eyes to see, but I really... I read that book. I said, okay, I have to change my life. Like I can't do this. I moved out of my small town and I moved to Toronto at the time. And I didn't really get into manifesting or anything like that. I'd always been kind of into horoscopes, not, not heavily, uh, until later on in my twenties, but yeah, at the time it was that, that book mindset is everything that kind of brought me out of it. And then I didn't get into divination. Like when I was around 25, I was big into psychics. I was big into horoscope. I was, <laughs> I look back at it now and I'm like, how did you not know that it was witchcraft? Cause you know, the scales <laughs> are so heavy. Like people in the world, yeah. we when you're in the world, you really have no idea about, we would write yeah. down our manifestations and we would put them in the moonlight overnight to bathe in moonlight. And then we'd light them on fire the next day. Like, <laughs> I'm like things. I was <laughs> not see that this is just like blatant witchcraft. Um, yeah. yeah, that didn't, that didn't actually come until later in life. Mm, okay. I was just curious because I know, um, at least in in my household, I think that I was a little too exposed to things like, um, not, I don't want to say new age, uh, but like Santeria and stuff like that, like burning sage or always talking about spirits or all this stuff and, and heavily on horoscopes. And so I was just curious on what, and then like, I, I think, you know, from 18, 19 or something, I saw it kind of blow up a little bit more and kind of shift yeah. to um, but I always, this is such a tangent, but I've always not hated horoscope, but I was always like, that doesn't make, cause I had a, I had a stepsister growing up and we were born the same day, the same year. Like we were basically twins. twins, but not twins. We were wow. exactly, but we looked nothing like each other. We were polar opposites. We detested each other as kids. Cause I don't know. I think it's just like, don't touch my stuff. Um, yeah. but I hated horoscopes because I, I was like, that what you're telling me that that is talking to her and me at the same time. There's no oh. way that's talking to the both of us. So I always had this weird conception of like, that doesn't make sense to me. How can that apply to hundreds of millions of people who happen to have the same birthday or this or that? So I think that I always had a distaste for it because it never felt like my own because whenever we would go reach for it, we were both reading the same one. And I just felt like that doesn't feel right. But now like, same <laughs> thing you said, realize that it's not really, it doesn't come from the Lord. And um, you know, but all I, of that I to say, it was just curious. Sorry, I can't. I, I can say that <laughs> I really identified with the Lord. Was just like Merce. <laughs> I really identified <laughs> with my. I, I was an Aries in horoscope, and like the it was like fiery, you know, um, hot tempered, short fuse, uh, impatient angry. And I really took that on as my own mm. from a young age. So yeah, I said that I wasn't really following horoscopes, but the Lord, you know, I could like see him in heaven giving me one of those, like, really? <laughs> but yeah, I, I absolutely did. I, I didn't, I didn't follow it to the point where 
you know, later on in my twenties, I would check it every single morning to dictate how my day would be. But I think I did let that develop my character from a young age. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think even now, like, um, again, I'll go back to TikTok because it's a trending thing right now. But I think even on TikTok, we'll see stuff like, you know, like if Arius was a person or if um, I was considered a Libra was a person and like, you know, uh, and the little things of like how they react or people playing mm-hmm. around with these, like embodying these characteristics. And um, kind of like you said just a second ago, of like, I think that when you are in that mindset of uh, horoscope, you are kind of taking on those identities. You are kind of being mm-hmm. like, oh, that is me. You know, I am angry. I do have a short fuse. And you're kind of like, like, yeah, I am going to put that on that back uh, patch on my, you know, jacket and wear it and wear it proudly. Like, don't blame me because I'm an Aries. That's what's to be expected. I'm an angry person. I, uh, you know, I have an attitude. I'm going to say what's on my mind. Um, yeah. But it's so opposite of what the Bible causes us because it causes us to do because it's like mm-hmm. slow to anger and quick to listen and, you know, kind and mercy. And it's just interesting how the enemy will set it up so that, you know, we identify easier with what the world is telling us to be. Um, but yes. So I also wanted to ask, um, you were just saying earlier too, like, you know, you were in this phase of, you know, experimenting with some drugs and drinking and, and also in like relationships were, and were you ever in a, in a place, and I think you did mention it on the phone, but like, were you ever in a place where, okay, now it's just how much of me can I fix to fit the mold that I believe I'm supposed to be, you know, like, how can I get my hair the way that I want it to be or get the outfits and the skincare and like all of that um, stuff to kind of fit the mold that the world is telling me to fit? Yeah. Well, when growing up single mom, we didn't have a ton of money. So I consistently watched, you know, other people with their Lululemon and their TNA sweaters. And that really put a desire in my heart to fit in more. And then when I moved to Toronto from my little small town of, you know, 150,000 people to moving to a city with 2 million people and going to college there, I was just blown away by the name brands and the stuff and the extensions and the eyelashes and everybody had like a full face of makeup and people wore heels to school and I got caught in it so fast. I, I, I went from not wearing any makeup. I went from, you know, having these little shabby clothes to not shouldn't say shabby clothes because winners is awesome, but I didn't, I didn't have the, you know, I didn't have name brand stuff mm-hmm. um, to living in a city where, where I really desired that. And it took me on like this four year journey of working all of these different jobs and going to school and also working, working, working to try to look the look. So, you know, the eyelashes were done at a full beat of makeup every single day. Um, I was working in a nightclub in Toronto at the time and they had told me I wanted to get bottle service there. And they said, Merce, like, we love you, but like, you don't have the boobs to fill it out. So I went and I got plastic surgery to mm. fit their, yeah. their mold and the mold of what just like pretty girls looked like in Toronto. Mm. And I was so 
thirsty and hungry to look rich and look like the rest of the world that I was really willing to do anything to get there. There was a point in my college career, I was working four different jobs. I was sleeping like maybe two or three hours a night. And I was just working my tail off, trying to look rich, trying to have, you know, the Louis Vuitton bag, trying to have these $150 eyelashes on that we got done every two weeks, trying to have the nails done, Mm. trying to have the most expensive makeup from Sephora, all of these things to, I don't know if it was to make myself feel better or was to make other people look at me in a different way. God's really broken me from all of that. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. But it it led me to extreme measures. You know, I got, I, I was a sugar baby for a little bit of time. I literally went for an interview to become a stripper. And I think that's where God was like, draw the line. <laughs> he didn't let me go through with that, which like glory be to God. I'm, I'm, you said, I'm you know, the surgery and everything else I'm, you know, I'm holding on, but right here is where I'm going to have to, going to have to say no. And I, I, I want to ask one, because, you know, just cause I feel like listeners would want me to ask you too, cause I am a little nosy. Can you tell me like, was it that the interview got caught off? Did you just get told af- no after the interview? Like, were you, like, do you know why no. or how God shut that interview off? No, they, they wanted me, they wanted me to do it. And I said, I was like, yeah, no, I I don't think I can go through with this. But Mm. I went and I met with the guy like several times to talk about what clubs he had and what the experience was like and how safe it was for the girls and, and how much money they made. Like I really put some thought into that. And I was, I was at a school and I was in an environment where people really supported and promoted sex work and just saw it as kind of like a different, just a different job. You know, I was around no Christians, obviously. And I wasn't around people who viewed sex as a covenant. So Mm. that mixed with sex gives me validation mixed with my looks are what people care about the most mixed with, I need the most money to look rich, just wrapped all into one really messy messy situation yeah wow wow and and so good that you broke it down that way too though because like that that attraction to it and um Mm -hmm. the consideration of of wanting to do it and wow and you said that was like within four years you were going through all of this and like you know the makeup and all of these I mean because again YouTube was really blowing up with all the makeup influencers and all of the Mm -hmm. good stuff coming out by so and so and the name brand. And uh, I think for me now I look back and I honestly had like, I call them the angry bird eyebrows. Cause you know how like it was back in the day, like you line them in and you shape them. But mm-hmm. I, I must, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I definitely did mine like the angry bird eyebrows. And I just, I can't believe that I not only worked publicly, but was like in customer service working face to face. And I just can't imagine what people would think. But anyways, <laughs> That we digress. Um, all of that saying is like in that span of four years, um, you're doing all of these things and you know, kind of like trying to fit the mold that the world is telling you to fit. Um, how did you go from that to kind of saying like, oh, maybe I don't need, to, or was it just like kind of after your relationship with the Lord? Um, and as well, like while you were in there, did you? not necessarily feel fulfilled, but were you like, okay, like one more thing and like, I'll be 
top tier, like what what my own expectation of myself is and my own expectation of beauty, or did you actually achieve that at the time um, to your belief? And then later started to kind of look at it and say like, wow, this isn't who I am though. Like this isn't mm. me, my natural beauty. And, um, and and like, did any of that kind of sound like, did it spark a memory or a topic in your head? Yeah. What a, what a wonderful question. I definitely thought me getting my breast augmentation, I thought that was going to solve all of my problems. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, I had lots of people make fun of me for how flat I was. I was like the president of the itty titty bitty committee. <laughs> and- <laughs> I hope that's okay to say on here. No, you are are absolutely fine. I just love how you said the president. No one else was elected but me. And and I think I was so, I was so, you know, focused on sex from a really young age that I felt like I wasn't fully a woman without it. And then people were so mean, you know high school bullies, all the mm. things. And it was a oh, big girl. insecurity of mine. And I, I've had, I had ex-boyfriends at the time be like, man, like I wish you had a bigger chest. So it was really, I know, boo, I know. <laughs> and, and, uh, sorry, <laughs> my facial expression gave me away. <laughs> I know, I know. So a, a combination of all of these things and then my work saying, my work saying, you know, we love you. We'd love for you to, we'd love to give you this. And I was, mind you, I was working at the biggest nightclub in North America and I watched the girls make like 30, 40, 50 grand a summer in tips. Oh yeah. Like money, like I've never seen before. I'm not going to lie. I could see why that would be like, Hmm. Interesting. I'm interested. Yeah, totally. And the girls would be like, what? Cause I worked I worked in Kochek and then I worked in the cash room and the girls would be mm. like, the girls would be like, why are you in here? Like, why are you not upstairs serving with us? And yeah. I was like, why aren't I like, I <laughs> look like you, I just don't have, you know, the boobs to fill it out. But if yeah. I get that done, everything's going to be peachy keen. And mm. so I, when I got them done, I thought that I thought that that was the end of all of my problems uh, in how I felt about myself. Mm. And it for a while, it, it was like a high I couldn't get off of. And eventually that high wears down. It took, honestly, it took about two years for that high to wear down. And for me to really look in the mirror and be like, I, what, what actually, what I really found out that, I wasn't happy with myself. I was living alone for the first time because I had always lived with roommates and Mm. I couldn't be alone. And Mm. I, if I was alone, I needed to call somebody else. If I was alone, I needed to be high. Like I could not just Mm. be alone with myself in my thoughts. And that's when I was really like seeing myself for who I truly thought I was rather Mm -hmm. than what I looked like to the world. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Cause when you're, when you're by yourself, like you really just are reflecting, you're like, Oh, this is me. Um, wow. Yeah. I I definitely can relate to the wanting to call someone 
you know, kind of filling that that space of silence. You're like, I need to, I need to go talk to somebody, go call someone, have a conversation. And with the two year high, well, actually, let's let's get back real quick. Um, what was it like after you got it done? And I mean, I'm saying like, not even just like the operation itself. Like, you know, of course, like what was that like once you did? Like, what was your like? I guess that first week experience, if you remember, but also like every time you let's say like got your eyebrows waxed or your, you know, your lashes redone. Like what was that experience? And I, you know, I can imagine that like the operation being like the biggest experience that you had among all of those, but what was that like? And then what was it like entering or within that two year high as well? I, you know, I was in the world and honestly, I felt on top of the world for a few moments. You know, I feel pretty. Mm. I look good. God says, don't judge on appearance, judge on the heart, but the world says judge on Mm. appearance and ignore your heart, you know, ignore what you're feeling inside, cover it up. I know that's like, follow your heart, but really how many people in the world are actually being true about how things are making them feel. I know that I would, if I felt bad, I'd go buy a new outfit. If I felt bad, I'd go get my nails done again. I'd go get my lashes done. So my... Mm. My validation to myself was the outward appearance that I had and, and it fed back into that male validation. It would always, it would always come back to, you know, boys are going to like me more now that, you know, I'm bigger. Boys are going to like me more with my eyelashes or with blonde hair or with all of these different things. And it was never about me liking myself more. It was always about other people liking me more. And, you know, those two years, they were, they, I was still in the world. So it was fun. But when, when I took a good look in the mirror, I remember when I moved, when I moved by myself, I took a good look in the mirror and it didn't matter what I looked like. Like I thought, I thought I looked like scum because of the choices Mm. that I'd been making and the life that I was living and the things that I'd been doing and just who I'd become that nothing on the outside could have fixed how I Mm. truly saw myself. Wow. Wow. And I, I really, I really have to say, I love how you talked about, um, you felt bad. You, you got your nails done. You felt bad. You went and got a new outfit. Um, you know, kind of like getting that hit of dopamine, but also trying to like, oh, well, you know, I can just fix this up real quick. And like you mentioned too, like a matter of the heart, the Lord sees the heart and not the outside. And I really, really <laughs> love how you said that. Um, I also love how you're talking about reflection too, because my next question was going to be, because um, I know that we're about to enter a transition, a tr- transitional point. Um, and I, I got to say, I love when my um, interviews go so long because I'm like, wow, we're getting really all into the good stuff and, and we're getting all of this amazing um, testimony, but with with the actual pain coming along with it, not just like, um, and then this happened in Butterfly and Rainbows, but like the, yeah. the stuff that I think like we've talked about, like sometimes we don't talk about as much. So I really, again, I love your willingness and your open openness through all of this. But what I was just about to say was in that two year or even two year prior in that area of your life, the four years, what was your character like? Because for you to be talking about, you know, you were looking in the mirror and you, you know, couldn't fix everything and you're like, okay, great. I've gone this far, but now there's a reflection of the heart. 
um, what was your character like? Were you, um, one thing I always say is, man, I had, for me, I had an attitude problem and, you know, I always wanted to not argue, but like, I just, I had an attitude problem. I was never wrong. Um, maybe a little pride, uh, can't say off the top of my head, everything. Cause I don't really remember at this point, but for you, like in that time period, like what was your character? Where, where, where was your heart at? Um, you know, what were your habits? Were you, um, an honest Joe or did you also get in, like fall into a little bit of like deceiving, um, lying, um, even like, like, uh, stealing or, um, with all that dishonesty, like, were there other characteristics like anger and just uh, pridefulness, um, caught up in all of that as well? Or would you say that you were just so caught up in, in the outwardly that you didn't reflect in the inward for a while? No, I can definitely say that my attitude was, my attitude was not good. I had, I definitely had an issue with vanity. Of course I had an issue with pride. I didn't take instruction well. I, I didn't take instruction well, and I, I was blessed, you know, I was really blessed to do some great things in my college, uh, my time in college. Like I got to plan all the events for my college. We had Post Malone come and do our frosh concert. Like I got to do, go to marketing competitions all over the country and, I got to travel all over the country for work. So I had this really like elevated sense of self, which I think the pendulum just totally swung from me looking at myself like I was nothing back in my late teenage years to seeing myself as way more important than I actually was. And with that, I think this sense of, you know, entitlement came to it. I, I definitely was dishonest. I definitely stole. I, yeah, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't call myself a great person. I was really selfish. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot about me and I've got, like, I've got one friend who I'm still really great friends with from that time. And we look back and I'm like, such a different person mm. now than I was then. Um, but I was manipulative. I was dishonest. I was, I was just producing every, almost every bad fruit that you could think of. Wow. Wow. And I, and I love that, that you are able to share that because I think it goes to show not only does God, you know, not care about um, where we are, you know, but just his ability to take us from where we are and kind of show mm -hmm. us and soften our hearts and kind of show us how um, we can step away from, from that anger or that need to lie. Or, I mean, and, and sometimes I feel like for me, I would lie, but no reason. I was like, I don't know, I'm just going to choose a random lie here. And I love how, yeah. you know, God <laughs> can take us from that. And <laughs> exactly. He yeah. can take us from, from that and kind of like develop us and grow us and, and, and show us what our hearts can reflect and what our hearts can be anchored on. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask because, you know, when you're, you're in the world and you're caught up in it. And I think one of the things I think about the most is, um, the talk about like, oh, well, that's their problem or like the lack of mercy that I see in the world mm -hmm. when they, and I, I mean, we do love and rejoice when we see people like, you know, helping, but I'm saying like 
like everyday things are like, oh, that's their problem or they shouldn't have done that anyways or, you know, um, that's on them for this, that, and the third reason versus having that mercy. It's like perfect example. So-and-so is five minutes late to work. They should know better. Um, they should know better until it's you that's five minutes late and you should have known better. And then that's when you really wish you had that grace, right? Because then you're like, oh, it's me though. I, should, I shouldn't get in trouble for this, but so-and-so can get in trouble for it. Um, so I really love the development that you've experienced with God and, and in your heart as well. Um, and just how, how far he's brought you and you're able to kind of look back and see how, how much of a different person you were. Awesome. Um, and even from that too, is I'm I'm kind of curious, just like you you talked about um after you got, you know, that um that oh forget the word, um operation done, did you did you get the job afterwards or did you end up just not getting the job? Um I actually ended up quitting from that place because my manager didn't want me to change positions and uh. I went back later in the year before the summer started because it has like a summer has like a beach club in the summertime and I went back and yeah they offered me the job oh okay yeah it just you know it really further it really further um sewed into that lie of your looks are your most important part about you your looks are yeah. the, the biggest thing about you. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you didn't have access and then suddenly you now are granted access mm -hmm. afterwards um, after being told no. And then actually experiencing the difference that that can have from, um, you know, being told no and to being like offered the job yeah. that you previously and probably still wouldn't have been able to grab. So you can kind of see how that developed and that I, you know, the whole my value and my worth, especially, you know, I guess for women too, it's because we're always um, talked about our looks and this is right and this isn't right and this is good and this is not perfect. Um, and then, so I guess around this time is this, are we nearing the time that you moved to Mexico? Like, are we getting to that point in your life or is there some, like, is there a period where you're still, you know, kind of growing and developing and, and, and learning about Yourself. Yeah. So I got that job, but I didn't end up taking it. Well, I couldn't take it because COVID hit and obviously the clubs were shut down. COVID was crazy here in Canada. And so my mom was like, move home. Why are you spending all of that money on rent for a city that is completely closed down? So I moved back home with my mom and my stepdad and my stepbrothers for a few years. And that's when, that's when I lived alone. And that's when, you know, God really started to work in my heart. I always knew, I always knew that God was real, but I always said to him that I would get right with him later. And I would say to him, mm. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. And he would do the things, but I, so I knew that he was real, but I said, I would get right with you later. And mm. anyways, COVID hits, life is crazy. We, in January of 2021, I was working as a marketing coordinator and I just knew that I was gonna leave Canada. I didn't know how I knew, but I just knew I was gonna leave Canada. Now I know that was the Holy Spirit. 
thank you, big guy, for that direction. (laughs) (laughs) And then in March of that year, that's when I had moved out alone. And God bless my friend, Dom. I've got this, my best friend's name is Dom, and she is on track to become a therapist. She's going Mm. to school to become one right now. And she worked at a therapy clinic. So when I was living by myself and she, she is one of those friends who can call you on your patterns and call you Mm. the things that she could see that I was destructing the destructive habits that I had in my life. She wasn't afraid to approach those and ask me about those. And she was like, Merce, you know, I think you need to get into therapy. And I was like, yeah, I do absolutely agree. But I don't have money for it. Like therapy was like 150 bucks a session. I was like, I would love to, but yeah, I just don't have the funds for it. But she was working as a receptionist for a clinic that summer. And she said, well, we actually have a summer student who is practicing, but she needs a thousand hours to get her Mm. clinical degree. She's like, she's been through all the school and everything, but like, why don't you see her? So February or January, I know I'm going to leave the country. March, my friend is like, you need to get into therapy. In May, I had two other friends from Toronto that I went to college with who were like, hey, why don't we move to Mexico? So I could really see God's hand in my life just starting to make things move. And my therapist, you know, she was she was absolutely lovely. Uh, I was leaving this country, which is something that I'd always dreamed about. I was leaving the COVID situation in Canada because it was just like crazy here. And then I moved to Mexico in October of 2021. Mm, Wow. That is incredible. That is incredible seeing how God like lined it up. And again, like the Holy Spirit kind of giving you that nudge, Mm -hmm. even though you don't know what that means. Um, and I, and I really, I love, again, I think we all need a friend like them. I think we all need someone to kind of call us out and say, Hey, something, there's a weird pattern going on. Are you okay? Um, and again, why community is so incredibly important. Um, and talk, talk to me about what that was like though. Like, what was it like moving to Mexico and, and where can you see yourself, um, or where can you look back and see yourself giving your life? Um, to Jesus or even like starting to be like, okay, I think I need to get serious with the Lord or where could you see God nudging you and saying like, Hey, like I'm still here. I'm still interested in you and I still want a relationship with you. So one thing that happened every time that I moved, I would see it as an opportunity to reinvent myself. And here in Canada, like I really don't have a lot of Christian friends. I had absolutely no Christian friends growing up. And mind you, I was not in the places that you would find Christian people. So I understand why. But when I was going to Mexico, I said to God, like, hey, God, I'm going to get right with you. Like, and I didn't know what that meant. That was the only thing I said, because I wasn't a prayerful woman at the time. You know, the only times that I would pray is when everything else in my life didn't work. Mm. That was the only time that I came to God. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to get right with you in Mexico. And I didn't really know what that would look like. I thought maybe I would join a church. I didn't think that would involve me reading my Bible. I didn't, Mm. I, I had no idea what that would look like. So I moved to Mexico. I moved to Playa del Carmen, which 
beautiful city, but like absolutely full of witchcraft, drinking, lust, just sorcery all over the city. And for the first few months, I really fell into my old, into my patterns. They weren't even my old patterns yet. They were just the patterns that I had done for over the last 10 years. So, Mm. you know, different guys hooking up with different guys drinking until I don't remember what the next day. And then in December, everything started to change. Actually, November, everything started to change. The first few people that I met in Mexico, they all knew of God. And I was like, wait, like you, you know, God, and like, you kind of know the Bible and you're, you're willing to talk about it. And like young people, that was the first time that I'd ever really seen somebody my age be like lit up and on fire for him. So I was like, okay, God, this is cool that you're giving me people that I can talk about you with. Mind you, at this point, I'm still not in church. I'm still in fornication and drunkenness and all of these things. And and then come December, I'm like, okay, I've got to start making some life choices that better reflect what I believe in. So I'm starting to break up with guys who don't believe in God. I'm, I told my friends, like, I think I'm going to start a faith-based business. They were like, mm. oh, what? Who, like, what? You know, my friends, that best friend, Dom, it was really hard for her at the beginning because I, in December, she could see the switch in me. You know, no longer was I relating to my horoscope. No longer Mm. was I wanting to talk to my friends about their sex lives and my sex life. And, and things were starting to, to change among a bunch of my friends. They could see the change in me. And that took a moment for some of them because they had to mourn who the old me was and the relationship that we had while simultaneously not understanding the journey Mm. that I'm on at the same time either. So January of 2022 comes around and I say to God, I saw Mike Todd's TikTok and it was like, if this is your best year with God, it will be your best year ever. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be my year. So I'm continuing to, you know, I'm dating people, but I'm breaking up with them when I find that their beliefs don't, don't align with mine. And I I'm like walking down the street of Playa del Carmen and I'm like, God, please send me a Christian man to do this walk with, to, to mm. walk with me and to get to know you more. And out from the corner is just this tall, handsome football player wearing a big cross necklace. And we make eyes and we start to talking and this, that, and the other thing. And and that relationship was the first relationship that I was in that I could talk about God in and talk about the Bible and talk about like God's influence on our life. But it was definitely one of those more Christian boy versus man of God kind of situations. Mm. You know, he wasn't protecting my purity, complete opposite. And, and, you know, I, 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 I was so excited to find love and still dealing with a lot of those issues that ran back to my past. 
And I was like, oh, this guy's my husband. Like I prayed that I'd find a Christian guy and he's here. And I, I said for a good amount of our relationship, I said, I don't want to have sex unless we're like together dating really together, which now I know is still a sin, but you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I don't know if I was fully saved yet. And, um, when we, we finally, he'd like, you know, we say, I love you to each other. And then we finally have sex. And then like two weeks later, he breaks up with me. Mm. And that breakup was one of the hardest breakups in my life. Just because it, it was a catalyst of every, every single guy that I had given my body to, given my love to, Mm. given a piece of me to, expecting that that was the last time that I would do that. And when that happened, you know, normally in the past when a guy would pull away, I would do everything I can to keep them close. I would do everything I can to, um, draw them back in. I think I, at the time I would, at the time I would align with like the anxious attachment style where I would just try and try and try. And this was the first time in my life that I was like, you know what? I'm just, he started to pull away. And I said, you know, I'm just going to read my Bible. I'm just going to get out a Bible and I'm going to read the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about it. And I did a Bible plan on the U Bible app about identity because at that moment, at that time, I realized that my identity was so wrapped up in what everybody else thought of me, whether it be my dad or my mom or the people I worked for or my friends or the guy I was dating, that I didn't know what my identity was outside of people's opinions of me. And that was the first time that I had ever opened my Bible. And that was when, when he finally broke up with me later on that week, I was sitting in my apartment and I was crying and that was my surrender moment. I said, God, if you are real and I knew God was real, but you know, you know, when you're living in the world, I said, God, Mm. if you're real, like I'm done, I'm done doing this on my own. I always make horrible decisions. I can't do this anymore. I always lead myself to getting hurt. I hate the life that I've created for myself. I hate the decisions that I've made. I hate who I am. I'm done. Like I, I give it to you because I'm not doing a good job here. Mm. And when that happened, I literally felt the presence of God come into my apartment. I felt that peace that surpasses all understanding. I wasn't crying anymore. I felt love and I felt okay. Whereas in the past, a breakups would absolutely destroy me. Like Mm. they would, they would just, I would be hurt for days and days and days. And not that I didn't hurt with that breakup. I definitely did. But in that moment, I knew that my life would, was forever changed in that moment. Wow. I cannot stress to you how beautiful that is, that surrender, that Mm -hmm. acknowledgement that you're just like, I can't do this anymore. I am tired. And I love how you said I make horrible choices. You know, like I, I need someone to help me make better ones. And I, I actually, and I'm glad that you talked about that serenity and that peace because, um, 
I forgot to ask Mr. Mention this, but you talked about panic attacks before. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear you talk about, and this was on the phone when you talked about panic attacks, but to hear you talk about, about that serenity that the Lord brings, um, can you talk about how that was like when you have that previous um, comparison of like you've experienced panic attacks and to go from that to then being in a, in a place where you're fully immersed in the love of God and you're, you're feeling his love and his care for you and, and just him show up, you know, him walk through that door, him be present in that moment as a father to you. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like um, comparing it to, you know, like knowing what it's like to have a panic attack and to have um, lived through them to now be experiencing, you know, God's love and presence. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't a very anxious person. Glory be to God. I didn't get them very often, but I got them whenever I broke up with a guy because it was like, my world was over. Like there goes my validation. There goes who I am. There goes the love. There goes everything. You know, they were so idolized in my life. And so when that relationship would come to an end, it was like, me having no identity in myself and having no father and having no heavenly father that it was just too much for me. And I would, I'd have these panic attacks and I'd cry and this, that, and the other thing. And, and I was in that moment of surrender right before I surrendered, I was mid one of those. And Mm. I had, Usually what would happen was I would just cry until I fell asleep. I'd get a headache and I'd fall asleep. And that was the first time in my life that I felt God's presence and felt the peace that he promises. I had never felt that ever before. So good. And uh, I love how the conversation is so led by the spirit because I completely forgot to mention it, but I guess it came at the perfect time to talk about of how, how you, when you did get them, it was during a breakup and how in, in that um, other breakup, you know, it's, it's where the Lord, you know, came in and where there could have been that panic attack and cry till your head hurts and fall asleep. God just came and, and filled you with his love and, and goodness. And that's just incredible. So now, now that you've experienced his love, what was your, you know, what was your thought? you know, process after that? Like, what was it like to kind of be like, whoa, you know, like I just, did you know you experienced love, um, God's love or did it take a minute to kind of be like, what was that? Like, I've never felt that type of peace before. And um, what was like, what was everything like after that? Like, what was it like, you know, from that day forth and um, in your character, in your, um, uh, not appearance, but your your um, the way that you even looked at yourself and in that uh, relationship with the Lord um, as you started to step into it more, but especially after that experience. I I knew right away that I needed to get baptized. I knew right away, so I went on to like the English group for Playa del Carmen, and I typed in baptism, and I found a church that offered baptism. Um, and got baptized right away, got plugged into a church, met some phenomenal people who really helped start shaping my walk. You know, I started to fast. God was like, write a devotional about working for God. I was like, 
mm, sir, like you're talking to the woman who's idolized work her entire life. What do you mean you want me to write this devotional? So started on this devotional, wow. which ended up being like a 130 page devotional. Oh about- my gosh. Okay, <laughs> real quick, just gonna take a pause. Do you still have that? And how can I get my hands on that? Because now I'm like, now I'm curious. I, I love that. Yes, please. I will. Yeah. We actually just finished a 10 week Bible study on it Mm. that I hosted on Zoom. So there's a few things that I want to go in and tweak. And and somebody had told me when I was writing it, you know, it's going to be so funny. You're going to look back on this and you're going to want to change things and want to want to show more of who you are now and at the time I was like I know everything you know yes okay go back I just needed to take a pause and say I I want that um but I I do want to say I when I first came to the Lord I was really misled in the fact that I thought that following God meant I would get everything I wanted when I wanted it So I was like, I remember I was walking down the street with a friend and I was like, yeah, God gives you the desires of your heart. So he's going to give me everything I want. I'm going to be rich and I'm going to marry that guy. (laughs) And and I, I got really caught up with, you know, prophetic, prophetic. I say that with like in quotations, Mm. TikToks on um, mm. on like prodigal spouses and you're only separated for a reason. And which now, honestly, now I believe that stuff is like divination and I believe mm. that it's not from God. Um, yeah. but that's a, that's a whole other, <laughs> whole other yeah. story. No, um, but I feel you on that. Yeah. I really got caught up in that. So I, for, for a good amount of my first year of my walk, which is so crazy, like last year, I, thought that if I followed God, that God would reward me with that guy as my husband, that God would reward me by paying off all my debt, that I thought my life was just going to like instantly get better and instantly get easier. And (laughs) it's not that it didn't get better because it really did. But um, I was so wrong in all of those areas. You know, I thought that God was going to work for me. That it makes me think of inserting Paul laughing here, you know, because Apostle Paul, <laughs> I wish there was a meme where like every time someone's like, oh, life is going to get better. You just insert Apostle Paul. <laughs> just... like, I, I hope you're OK with persecution. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it, it was. So, so for the beginning of my walk, you know, I could definitely feel that the Lord was strengthening my character, but I would definitely Mm. say I walked misguided, you know, Mm. I surrendered my life to Christ, but I wasn't fully surrendered to Christ. I Mm. surrendered to him in of like, okay, I'm going to read my Bible every day and I'm going to watch sermons and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray, but I still want you to do the things that I want you to do in my life. And, mm. and I, I it, it, it created really a tension of a relationship with God. And, you know, the enemy had such a big part in that too. I would be thinking I would be hearing from God and I'd be like reading, writing, thinking that I was hearing from God. And it would be like, you're going to see him soon, like get ready. 
And then I would see him when he wasn't even living in the same city, like two days after the enemy would send me back. Yeah. So there was so much confusion wow. in the beginning of my mm. walk too. But like I was living in divination. I was living in idolization. I was still... I was still clinging on to some of my ways of the world, but knowing, knowing fully that Jesus died for my sins and that mm. God was real. So there was a big polarity in my life in terms of how I was walking and what I was learning. And like, it was, I'm so embarrassed to admit this now, but like everything that I learned about God or that I heard, I would like bring back to that guy and idolization mm. was just such a big problem in my life mm. but it was yeah. definitely my fruits changed like I definitely became more giving you know I learned about tithing and I remember the first time I tithed I was so like it was so difficult for me to hand my money over and then I remember I was tithing and I wasn't seeing anything from it and I was like your word says. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was angry at God and I was mad at God about a few different things in the, in, in this time. Um, but I slowly, but surely he worked on my heart to be better with kids. I got involved in a mission mm. in Playa del Carmen and, you know, working with these beautiful, beautiful children in a impoverished area where as before you wouldn't catch me dead with kids. Like <laughs> I was, I was serving in the church. I was getting into Bible studies. So I was really learning all of like the basic principles of what life with God actually looked like mm. uh, while still being really big into divination. And that probably went on for, I would say until November and November of 2022 was the first time that I ever had deliverance. And I didn't even, I, I had learned about deliverance from podcasts, but I had, you know, nobody at my church had offered me deliverance. Mm. I, I just didn't know anybody who did it. So when I had when I first started getting my feet wet with deliverance in November, that's when I really saw my walk with God start to change. And God had sent me amazing fellowship at the time, uh, who was like, you know, God wants you to go into full-time ministry, like believe that you can do that. And she, she was so good for that season of really teaching me the authority that I mm. had in Christ, teaching me, she said one time, she said, you don't, you don't trust God because you don't believe that he fully loves you yet. And that, mm. that sparked like a whole different season of my walk. Wow. That I think I'm still walking in that season of really understanding what God's love is. I think, you know, when you grow up without a dad, I don't think you learn how to be a daughter. And wow, it can be difficult to even submit and understand your place as a daughter of God and to believe that he has good things planned for you. Believe that he's never going to forsake you. Believe that he's never going to leave you. Believe that he's got a hope and a future. When I got deliverance, like that crush on that boy completely, completely left. Um, but I was there again realizing that I didn't know my identity. And now that I wasn't 
you know, in Delulu world as this person's like soon to be wife, I didn't know who I was and I didn't know, I didn't believe the plan that God had for me was good. And that's what led me. God was like, I need you to do a 30 day. He actually pulled me out of my church that I was there in there because I was doing a nine month ministry program there. And he pulled me out of it and said, I want to teach you, like, let it just be me and you. And, and people were like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like that's, that sounds crazy. And I was like, I'm not sure it does sound crazy. (laughs) I agree, but I I know, I know the voice of God. Mm. Um, and, And I know that that's God speaking. And God was like, I want you to do write a 30 day devotional all about my love. And I was like, God, again, do you know who you're talking to? Like, I don't know what your love looks like. I don't even know what love looks like in the world because my my view of love has been so skewed and so ruined and so um, just distorted from the world. And I spent the whole month of December, last December, writing the study, December. And then in January, God was like, I want you to run an online Bible study. And again, like he puts me in those situations where I'm like Moses, where I'm like, dude, I don't know how to speak. I'm still new here. What if they have questions? How am I going to answer it? And Mm. we, I ran that study. I said, God, can I have a sister on it with me so that, you know, she could speak. She was my errand. And I was like, God, like, please, Mm. can I have her with me? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. I should have asked for an errand. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're, no, no, you didn't need an errand. Well, and, and what the Lord taught me from that, he said, yeah, but sis missed a ton of the Bible study for she was sick mm. and she, she was going through her own stuff. And what mm. the Lord taught me through that was like, you have me, you don't need anybody else but me. You don't. And I, I, you know, it's important that we have godly counsel. It's important that we're under authority, but God really needed to solidify that, that message in me that with him, we can do anything because I would go into a study. I would pray about it before we led into it. And I would go into a study, have no idea how I was going to teach it or what I was going to say. And then two, three, four hours would go by and I had all the words, <laughs> which which wasn't mm. me. It's not by my own might whatsoever. It's by how good our God is and how wonderful he mm. is that that all happened. But your willingness but, too, to, to receive that from that him, from him. Mm. to sit there and, you know, have your heart open to him and be obedient, even though you in that moment don't have the words. And I just think it's so beautiful. Um, because when you were talking about, you know, your character shifting and um, being kind of like angry at God in that time, and, and I think it's a beautiful example is that God will take you wherever you are, whatever belief you currently have, whatever situation you're in, like God, if you are willing to let him in, God will God will be there with you. And he doesn't care, you know, what your belief is in that current moment because he'll he'll show you the way. Like he, a lot of people I think have that stigma or that belief with the stereotype of like, well, I have to be perfect all the time and I have to be, you know, on the right way 
for me to be, you know, next to God. And that is the only way to have a relationship with God. But, you know, with how you were talking about it goes to show that like, you know, you were still trying to discover yourself, your heart, you know, the healing and, and everything that you had to kind of face with God though, as God leading you through it and kind of God exposing yourself to yourself as you're going through it. And, um, one thing that came to mind was like, in that moment, it was kind of like you had these worldly expectations, right? Things that the world taught you, right? Like there's yeah, this yeah. deal, there's this work hard and get what you want. And so if the Bible says, you know, tithe and, and you'll get all of these things. And, you know, the Lord knows the desire of your heart. Therefore, you're going to get all like rich and you're going to get the guy. Um, these worldly expectations, but in reality, we have the spiritual gifts and the spiritual blessings, kind of like when they say the Holy Spirit um intercedes for us like we're praying or even if we can't pray the uh, holy spirit will intercede i think it's so similar that our hearts do have desires planted by the lord like i think that's what he knows that's what he knows that he's gonna see us through like your bible study and your ministry and your heart for people and how you've developed and and that's how he kind of grows us in the desires of our heart so i i can relate you know you're praying and you're like i I know, I know I want this. You must know I want it, but it's not making sense. Make it make sense. Why, why am I not getting it? And so then I, we go through a period where God kind of, you know, shows us that you, you're wanting worldly expectations, but I am, I am a God, you know, and I, I deliver differently than the world does. And I don't give you just minute things. I give you treasures of the kingdom that will last you for an eternity. But that's really hard to grab, get that concept. And what I really, really loved, which for me was such a powerful word um, that you talked about was, you know, not knowing how to be loved by God, not knowing how to be a daughter, right? Because you, a daughter with a father, not knowing how to have that um, set of, of relationship, not, you know, having like, I think I had this conversation in a small group once with someone who had a, sim- not similar, they had a different um, relationship with their father, but still saying like, I know you're real, God. I know you hear me, but are you willing to do it for me? Are you willing to call me more? Are you willing to take those photos, that family photos with me? Because what I've experienced, what I know is that no, that I'm not a priority, that you're not going to show up for me, that you're not going to, you know, be that father figure. And so God having to show us what, because I can definitely relate. Like that was such a beautiful word. And I really do hope that it lands in the hearts of whoever, you know, is hearing this and um, has experienced that themselves that like, wow, like having to learn to let God love us and what Mm -hmm. that is like, what is, what is God's love? And I think that even for myself too, I think God during uh, the making of this podcast was showing me that like, you have set uh, worldly father expectations upon me. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't walk by the same standards and I'm not going to make the the same mistakes because I, I, I'm so different. You know, I am a father, but I'm so far um, from that same, you know, from that comparison. Like I'm, it, there's, there's no comparison. And I just love the way that you said it. I loved um, like how you were going through that and how you had someone say that over you and, and especially the part of just the ministry, because it can be so hard to believe that we're doing something, you know, you're like, really me out of everyone out here telling me that you're picking me, um, you know, and, and, and believing that God has <laughs> a plan and a purpose, but it's beautiful though, to have community. Um, it's so important to have people who will help lead you. And also, I mean, I, I, you're going to have people who 
like you said, are you sure that God is telling you to do that? And I have to, I have to say that sometimes a relationship with, with God is your own and not everyone, not even believers will always understand where God is leading you because they haven't had to step there before. And these words aren't even my own. I have an incredible friend, Dina. Um, when I was deciding leaving my job, I talked to her and I just said like, man, like I, I've, I've seeked advice everywhere. Everywhere I can look under a rock, Patrick, I've seeked it. Like I have gone everywhere. <laughs> and um, I I just feel like everyone is just being very like, sounds good, but you know, we play it safe though, play it safe. And yeah. she said, she said to me, well, I'm going to tell you because I don't think anyone else is willing to tell you. I think everyone else is not going mm-hmm. to tell you to leave the security of your job to do what you're thinking about doing because they've never had to do what you're doing. They mm-hmm. haven't been called and asked to step out in the faith that you're being asked to step out. So they can't properly give you a response because they don't know what it's like. But she's like, but if you're feeling like that's what you're being called to do and you truly believe it and you spent the time with the Lord and you've heard him speak, I say, do it. You know, she, and I remember she said, um, cause I think I was talking to her about, uh, Old Testament Deuteronomy when, you know, 12 men get sent out to look at the promised land and they come back and 10 are like, nope, no way. We're not going to, we're not going to get it. And the other two are like, no, 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 no. We got it. We got it. We got it. And I remember she told me, she's like, I'll be one of the two. Like I will cheer you on while the 10 are telling you that it does not seem possible. And I just remember that that gave me so much life because she was the one that said no one else. Right. And so I think it's important that like believers, you know, we will always cheer each other on, but we are still worldly, you know, and we're still in the world and we still have flesh. Sometimes we can believe for you, but because we don't want to steer you away from the Lord, we don't want to say, you know, absolutely or no, we're always going to also try to be a little safe as well. So it's always really great to have that community and have that support, but it's also so important to, to know your relationship with the Lord and have that stillness and peace to be like, okay, you know, it might not make sense to them, but it makes sense to me because I know my alone time with God. And I love that you did it. I love that. Um, because it's a hard thing to do when other people so can't hard. see that as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it, it can be such a, a way. And so I just, I love that you did it. I love, um, and I love what God asked you to do too. Cause I know you mentioned, um, you know, like, oh gosh, I worked so hard in the world. Like that's all I ever did. But I think that that makes you the perfect person because you now have a comparison of like, I know what it's like to work for the world and in the world. And now I know what it's like to work alongside a loving father who is leading me and guiding me. And I just think that's absolutely beautiful. Um, and I know that you also mentioned some um, medical things going on in the family and healing as well. And what was that experience like? Was this during your time um, where you're walking with the Lord or was this a little bit before? Oh, God is so good. You know, one of the biggest times of my life went before I had truly come to Christ um, in my early twenties, my mom got stage three breast cancer and she had the worst kind of breast cancer you could get. And she was on the highest chemo therapy you could get in the world. And she was, she was not good. Like there was a few times where my stepdad called me and was like, you should probably make arrangements to come see your mom. Cause I don't know if she's going to make it through this weekend. And that was, a time in my life where 
I was, that was the time of my life where I was still living in the world. And I was saying, God, like, please heal my mom and I'll get right with you. I won't get right with you right now. I'm still going to do and do my filth and do my thing and do what I want to do, but I will get right with you one day. Like I remember pleading with them, I'll raise my kids to know you. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think our whole family went really hard in the paint in prayer Mm. for my mom to, my mom to live. And I remember being like, God, like you, you gave me the worst cards when it came to dads, please don't take my mom away. Mm. And my mom fully responded to chemotherapy, fully responded to radiation. She's on year five next year, which means that we can officially dub her uh, like cancer free. She, she just, she is cancer free, but we can officially dub her like not having to go back to the cancer clinic. Yes. I know God is so good. When we finished, when she finished her treatment, her doctor said, I wasn't going to tell you this, but you only had a 1% chance of responding mm. to your chemotherapy. Mm. And like God was in that 1%. So wow, our God is that 1%. Our God is so, so good. Beautiful. Our God is so good. And he, he really has been teaching me what healing looks like, because like Jesus says, you are going to do greater miracles than I did. Like you'll do the same miracles that I did Mm. in a greater bed, which I think is really hard for people to grasp. Like, but you're Jesus, how on earth am I going to amount to anything that you did? And it's not about us. It's not about you know, Mercedes or Emily doing it. It's about just being vessels for God to do it. And I've seen my grandma this winter. I actually came back to Canada to help my mom out because my grandma was really sick in January. She got this weird Mm. illness that kind of debilitated her and made it so that she couldn't walk properly. She couldn't get in in and out of bed. And my grandma's a tough lady. She is not one to complain about pain ever in my life. And we actually went down, we share the same birthday, March 22nd, her and I, and we, yeah, so cute. And God is so good on her birthday this year. He gave her, well, she got an appointment with a specialist in Toronto because none of the doctors here could figure out what was wrong with her. They were filling her up with all these medications. Nothing was working. And when we went to Toronto, I brought her down, my mom, her, and I went together and she went, did all her appointments. Her doctor didn't change any of the drugs she was on, any of the medication, did nothing except for like MRI, x-rays. They found some things on our neck that could be causing the pain, but really people didn't know where this pain was coming from. And like my grandmother was next to paralyzed. She could, mm. she could not get out of the bed by herself. We had to lift her up really slowly. And even that, like, I've never seen my grandma in pain before for my whole 27 years. And you could tell she was just so uncomfortable and, and she's, she's so cute. She tries to hide it. So she, my mom will call and be like, are you having a good day? And she'll be like, yeah. My mom's like, I know that's not your real. Yeah. So <laughs> she's so sweet. She tried to hide it from us. Um, but that night we were going to a different hotel 
and we were in the car and I just had my hand on her and I was just like, Lord, I know you could do this. I know you could do this. Like, I'm actually just going to surrender this at your feet because if you want to heal her, you're going to heal her. And I know you can. I said, I have no doubt. Like James 1, 5, I can expect to receive something because I have no doubt. Mm. And, and we went to the hotel that night. You know, she was walking with a walker. It took her 20 minutes to get out of the car. Like my poor, my poor sweet Mei Mei. And the next morning, mm. That night we had prayed with my Bible study group and I said, y'all, can you like join me in prayer for my grandma? Cause she's really not doing okay. And the next morning we woke up and my grandma was like, look at me, look at me. And my mom and I we were sleeping in the bed next to her. And she was like, look at me, look at me. So we're like groggy waking up. And here my grandma is like jumping out of bed. Like she is 50 years old. She's like walking with her walker in her hand. My cousin came to visit. She's like picking up my cousin's kids. Like Mm. we saw the move of God. We saw his healing power that day fully and completely And the doctors. The Mm. doctors haven't been able to explain it. You know, nobody's been able to explain it except for that mm. is our God. I'm reading, I'm reading a book right now by Andrew Womack. It's called God. It's called the war is over. God is not mad at you. And one thing that really hit me yesterday as I was reading it was that a lot of us don't feel worthy to be used by God in that sense. So we mm. don't feel like if we lay hands on someone, it's going to work because it's us. Is God going to do it through us? Are we are we worthy enough to have the power of God work through us? And it just hit me so hard because I definitely have got, I've heard the Holy Spirit say, go and lay hands on that person in the street and pray for them to be healed. Mm. And I've been like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, what if it doesn't work? And Andrew Womack speaks about how, how we We are not worthy, but God calls us worthy. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus made us worthy. He took all of our sin. He took all of our shame. He took all of our sickness. He took everything on that cross that it's already been done. You know, whatever you're struggling with right now has already been paid for. You don't need to pay for whatever sin you're struggling with. You don't need to pay for whatever unworthiness you feel because Jesus already paid the price for that. God reconciled himself back to us fully and completely through the work that Jesus did on the cross. And sometimes we miss that because we're caught up in our unworthiness. We're caught up in you know, I sin, I'm a bad Christian. I, I I can't get right with God, but God, we don't have to get right with God. God already made it right with us through sending his son, Jesus Christ to die for us. And we just have to believe that we have to accept that. And we have to walk in that, which is easier said than done. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's really got me thinking about those times where I'm like, is God actually going to use me? Is mm. he actually going to use my hands to to show his power? Like these hands are not worthy. Of course, they're not worthy. None of us mm. are worthy. But 
God already remedied himself, reconciled back to us and took mm. all of our unworthiness and plastered that on the cross with our savior. So we are worthy of being used by God in miraculous ways beyond anything that we could possibly imagine because of Jesus Christ. Wow. And that is so beautifully said. I really do love I love how you just talked about, you know, the fear of like, I don't think I can play, like, like mm-hmm. I don't think you can use me, but I think um, just the way that you worded it, like God, God through Jesus dying on the cross made us worthy. Like we are already, we're already mm-hmm. worthy, but I think reminding ourselves that yes, I am worthy because the enemy is so quick to say, no, 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 because it's not in his best interest for us to, to lay hands. Um, it's not in his best interest for us to pray for others or to ask for prayer. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a small group or anyone need prayer and you're like, I do, but I don't feel like, I don't know, like you want to drag everyone else into this with me. Um, Mm -hmm. but I just, I love how you said it. And I, I also, I wrote that book down because I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. Um, but I, I love, I love when you hear someone talk about a book and you're like, that sounds like it's, it's, yeah, it's something that'll grow you and develop you. Um, oh no, what did I write here? Gosh, my chicken scratch handwriting. I had something that I wanted to say. Oh yes, yes, yes. So I'll start by this um, because this is the title of the podcast with everything that you have said, what would you say like God has done with your pain? You know, like if you um, could not necessarily sum it up, but like knowing the title of the podcast and everything and everything that you have shared, like, you know, what has God done with your pain? Such a good question. And I love, I love this podcast so much because it shows the move of the Holy spirit in each of our lives. And it's so unique and it's so individual and it's so personalized to us, but what God's done with everything that others have done to me and everything that I've done to myself is Mm. show me the incredible amount of grace that he offers. I, I should not, you know, in, in, in typical church culture, I should not be speaking. I should not be preaching. I should not, I'm, well, I'm not a preacher by any way, shape or form, but I should not be teaching. I, Mm. you know, I I had people last year say, there's no way you could go into full-time ministry. Like you still have so much of your past Mm. to deal with. And, and God has just come and shown his power in my life that no matter how broken you are, no matter how insignificant you feel, no matter how unlovable you feel, when you realize that everything that you were searching for your entire life was actually God, everything changes. Yeah, I, I used to blame my dad for all of these things, but it wasn't fully that I didn't have a relationship with my earthly father. It was a large part of I didn't have a relationship with my heavenly father. That would have changed the entire course of my life. That would have changed how I viewed myself. It would have changed the decisions that I've made, how I acted. And it really allowed me when I fully came into understanding how good God is and also understanding how 
powerful the enemy is because i i hate to i hate to call him Mm. that word but at the end of the day he has a lot of influence he's the prince of this world you know he's no he's no Mm. match to our god no way shape or form but he definitely does have an influence on each and every one of our lives and god you know god took those daddy issues and he showed me where my dad was hurting he showed me where the enemy mm. had his hands in my dad's life. He showed me the the different emotions that that family felt. He showed me that I I didn't need to be envious of the life that I didn't grow up with that I I really idolized because he had this life planned for me. God takes everything Mm -hmm. that the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for his good. So all of that, all of that unlovingness or unlovable, unlovability, is that a word? (laughs) All of that, um, (laughs) those emotions that I felt as a kid, the unwantedness and how, how I never thought that I would fit in, how I always thought down on myself, I can see mm. now how terrified the enemy was of me actually finding who I am in Christ. Mm. Because when I found who I am in Christ, who I was in Christ, and I'm still working on that woman day by day, and I will work on that woman mm. every single day until the day that I die. Okay. I'm no perfect, no way, shape or form am I perfect. Mm. But when I found out that I am blessed and highly favored, when I found out that I have a father to the fatherless, when I found out that I'm actually royalty, when I found out that God clothed me in righteousness, when I found out that I'm a daughter of the king, when I found out that I was chosen, like I was chosen and I was so loved that a man was willing to go to the cross and become a mockery for me Mm. and become I was Andrew talks about in that book that the word of God says that Jesus's face and body were unrecognizable as a human because he went through so much torture in order to take my sin and my pain and my past and my curses and my generational curses and everything that I dealt with and everything that you deal with and everything that everybody in this world, whether there be believers or not believers, Jesus took that to the cross for every single one of us and god gave me a voice that wasn't a pity party for myself it wasn't a victim mentality anymore i'm the head and not the tail yeah you know what i may have been fatherless but now i have a heavenly father now Mm. i was able to forgive my dad for the things and the decisions that he made i was able to forgive my stepmom who you know, she's a lovely woman and she, I, I don't know if she always made the right decisions with my brother and I growing up, but she really cares about us now. I can see her. She, she, when I'm at their house, she is the one who always makes sure that I'm okay. I don't want, I didn't want to be mad at her anymore. I didn't want to hold what she did 27 years ago against her. I, I was able to let go of the jealousy that I had from my brother, my half brother and sister for getting the dad that I didn't have. Mm. And I learned what it meant to be a daughter, whether that is crying in God's arms over a breakup 
or depending on him for finances or asking him what what I should do. What's the next steps? Where should I go? You want me to quit my job? Okay, dad, like you're going to give me another, (laughs) you're going to give me another avenue. And it really mended my soul of these relationships that I looked at growing up, these father and daughter relationship that I looked at where I was like, wow, like they're so best friends and they're, they're so close and they tell each other everything I, God actually gave me, gives me vision sometimes of like, I can see small Mercedes playing on him. You know, he's like this Mm. giant, his visions, I can't see his face. And he's just like this giant body on a throne. But like, I can see little Merce playing on his arms and like using him as a jungle gym. And that is so different from the narrative of the little girl who always felt unchosen and who never Mm. felt like anybody would stay. And me and God, we're definitely still working on this relationship. And I'm excited that we're going to work on it for my entire life. And then I'm so excited to like walk in the garden with him after this, after this life is over. I can't wait. Like this world is ghetto. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, one yeah. out of 10 would not come come again. <laughs> oh, no, please, like, let this be my last time. I, it will be. I know it will be. I don't believe in reincarnation. Somebody's no. gonna... <laughs> yeah, so, so God, he's uh, just, he, he has shown me that he'll use anybody. Like, mm. he used the girl who was, you know, basically a prostitute, almost a stripper, full of vanity, addicted to boys, addicted to sex. And he's using her as a mouthpiece for him. Like if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for anybody. Cause I, I, I feel like Paul, when Paul says, I'm the worst of the worst sinners. I'm yeah. like, yo, <laughs> I relate I just, to you so much in that, in that past. <laughs> I love that because I, I always related, um, to, to David in the Psalms where he's like, God, you are so good. You are so great. There's nothing you can't do. And then the next one, it's like, whoa to me. Oh, whoa. I can't, I can't take another breath. It sucks. I hate this. I hate that. Why would you choose me? This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And then next chapter, he's like, all right, let's go. And I'm like, wow, that's so relatable. And then Peter, Peter just, uh, we're not, I'm not going to get all into it, but I love Peter because he's just like, Peter is the stank face of the group where he's just like, okay. And I'm like, that's me. I'm Peter. I can relate to Peter just always being like, what? We're doing what? Um, um, I don't know. This is so off topic too before we get back on. But there's a long, this is like a month or two ago. I was on TikTok and people were, or someone was talking about like, um, if the American church got a letter from Paul, you know, them being like, oh, who's this letter from? And they're like, Paul. And they're like, oh. I just thought it was funny because I went to the comments and someone in the comments were like, um, you guys are doing everything wrong. Anyways, can't wait to see you guys. Love and kisses. <laughs> hug here, hug there. <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard because Paul would really rip people apart. And then at the end of the letter, would be like, but I can't wait to see you. And I just love you so much. XOXO, Paul. <laughs> I just... It made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Anyways, again, another tangent, but um, oh, so you just, you said everything so beautifully. And like, I really, I want to ask, um, what would you say to someone who has 
lived or is currently living a similar lifestyle or, you know, that, you know, like that self-image and just not feeling worthy and, and having father issues as well. And I mean, everything that you've experienced, like if, if you could talk to you, you know, and to someone who very much has related to everything and is still struggling or still learning, like what would you, what would you say to them? I would say that God loves you despite everything. I would say that God sees you so differently than you see yourself. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your struggle. He doesn't see the things that you hate about yourself. He sees you as the daughter that he has called. He sees you as righteous. He sees you as justified. He sees you as chosen. And if you are struggling with letting go of some of those things, I want, I want to say that it's okay. You know, I don't want to be one of those Christians who are like, how dare you struggle and follow Christ? No, without God, you won't change. And you need Jesus to come into those areas that are dark and come into those areas that are, are still hurting and when you invite him into those spaces and you just get real and you get honest and you get vulnerable with him, you will see the move of God in your life. It might not be all at once. God is still setting me free from a lot of things mm. day by day. I, I can feel it. And the Lord actually spoke to me a few weeks ago through a friend of mine. And he was like, if I did everything at once, you wouldn't be able to handle it. So I need you to give yourself mm. some grace. I'm in, I'm in no way like sitting here being like, yeah, go sin. But, but I know that the enemy mm. uses guilt and shame and condemnation to make us feel like we don't belong in the kingdom of God, but you do, you're chosen. And to the girl who's struggling or to the guy who's struggling with father issues, I want you to know that God cares about that so much like when I was re when I was prepping for this, I was looking at verses about the fatherless, and God says so many times in the Bible that He will defend the fatherless, that He is a father to the fatherless, that He will not leave us as orphans, that in God the fatherless find compassion because. I think the Lord knows how, how much that impacts us and what this world would look like. He knew all of that. So know that God sees your pain. Know that God isn't pleased watching you struggle with this and know that your relationship with your heavenly father will heal your relationship with your earthly father no matter what that is, no matter if they're here, no matter if they're gone, because it's, it's about your heart and your healing and God, God will bring that. God will help you with forgiveness. I never thought I'd be able to forgive my dad. I, 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 I broke down to the Lord this January and I said, Lord, I have no idea how to forgive him. I have no mm -hmm. idea how to forgive her. I have no idea to let this go. And God has just slowly but surely been massaging all of that out of my heart to the point where when I was prepping for this, 
I realized that I didn't just want to come on here and slam my dad or, or say anything that was going to hurt him. And I was kind of stressing because I was like, I don't want to hurt him. And this was the first time in my life that I didn't want to hurt him or her for the hurt that they had caused me. So God sees you and he loves you and your identity is found in him, not in this world, not in the relationships of this world, but in your relationship with him, you will see who you are truly meant to be. Wow. That is beautiful. And I, and I just, I want to piggyback off and just say too, like if you're listening and you don't have a relationship with God and you are just got curious on what, you know, this God has done in other people's pain. I just, I really do encourage you, you know, if you are in a place where everything you've tried so far isn't working or you're constantly finding pain and, and, you know, things just aren't adding up and there's a lot that you're, you know, struggling with and pain, like real pain that you have, I promise you that our God is so not afraid to take you with everything Mm -hmm. that you have. There's nothing that you have to change right now, but simply say, you know what, God, like, just like Merce did, like, hey, like, I'm ready for your love. I just, I need help and and allow him to be with you so that you're not alone. In those moments in the dark room where you feel alone, where those, you know, negative thoughts and those negative voices are becoming so loud that it's just overbearing and you're probably at the point where you're crying and screaming, but it's so bad that it's not even making an audible sound. I encourage you to just allow God into your life because there's just so much that he can bring so much peace and love and joy. Um, Because I mean, you don't have anything to lose. You right? Like you, you won't lose anything. There's no amount of cash that you have to put down right now. There's no investment that you have to make, but there's just the simple, like of opening your heart and saying, you know what? They said that you did something for them. I want to see you do something for me. Show up in my life. I'm, I want you to show up in my life. I don't want to do this by myself. And I promise you that either you have nothing to lose by uttering those words and allowing yourself to fully open up and allow God to, to work with your pain to see what he can do with your pain. And I invite you to also um, know that do not set any expectation, right? Because our Mm -hmm. expectations are from a worldly, like ant um, size expectation, but what he can do is so much bigger and so much greater. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, when a little kid can imagine one thing, but a parent has so much more for them. Like, I really do encourage you that like, allow God to do with your pain, um, all that he has and all that he can, but without expectation of your own. The only expectation of just knowing that you will not be alone and he is moving great, great things in your direction. Mm-hmm. Because then that way you will feel limitless when things happen. You won't feel restricted and you won't feel disappointed because it you know, didn't go the way you wanted it to go. It's better to, what better planner than God, right? Like, I mean, if he made the trees, the mountains, the ocean, everything, and the sunset, trust me, you want him to be the planner. You want him to decide how things are going to unveil. So I just, I encourage that to any listener. And and if you are a believer and you're feeling discouraged, I just remind you that like his plans are so much better than ours. And Mm -hmm. we have, again, our worldly expectation, but it's just best to kind of trust the process and, and believe that God does everything everything, everything with a purpose and plan. And he does not forsake us. And he never, never, never abandons us. Even when we truly think that we're alone, he does not abandon us. 
Um, but wow, with that coming almost to an end, I really, really want to take this time to take advantage of having you on here and just say like, what is God doing with you right now? Are there any projects you have coming up that you want to share about? Is there, you know, any more Bible studies that you can drop here that people can, you know, look for or seek, or even just, you know, anything that you're hoping to get done that you can talk about? Um, and again, like if you want to drop your TikTok down again, if they don't want to go all the way back to the beginning, feel free to do that just so that people know where to find you and, um, and they, you know, stay up to date with you as well. I, I am currently planning, um, a cross Canada road trip. The Lord's put it on my heart to go coast to coast in Canada and to hold events for young people to just come and really be on fire for the Lord. Um, so that will be going off sometime this summer. We were in the process of planning. I thought I'm so naive. I was like, oh, this is from the Lord. It'll be so easy. It is not so easy. <laughs> this, this is, this is, uh, it's, it's, I, I'm excited to talk about this testimony later in my life because this has been I, the hardest I can I've relate. <laughs> you know what, when, when this happens, please, I want to have you back on and I want you to talk about all of it. And I want oh, you to, <laughs> all of it. No, seriously, I'd love to have you back in like, you know, once you continue to see the Lord doing everything and you've, you've gotten to that point, like I, you won't even have to tell me, I'll be like, Hey, are you ready for the next one? Oh, you know what, girl, I'm going to come and do it in person with you when it's all done. <gasps> even better. Yeah, be even that's better. exactly what I'll do. But uh, yeah, so I'm planning that right now. Um, you can find more details about that on God Changed Her. We don't have a set schedule or anything right now. I'm speaking to over 100 churches. And it, for me, it's a priority. But for churches, it's not a huge priority to to figure out if if I'm trustworthy enough to come in or not, which I understand. I totally respect that. <laughs> and I respect that they're busy. Uh, but more details are going to come out about that. Um, you can find me on TikTok at God Changed Her. I am starting to write the next devotional. So our next online Bible study is going to be women's only, which I'm really excited about. And it's going to run. Ooh. I'm not too sure. I'll let the Lord take me, but either November, probably December or January, probably January, realistically speaking, most likely January. <laughs> um, and it's going to be on waiting and doing mm do waiting and patience and what that looks like because yeah two subjects that I am not good at right now but the Lord the Lord is teaching me through this tour the Lord is teaching me through other promises that I'm waiting on in my life um and it's just going to be the, the studies have just been so amazing not because I leave them in any way shape or form but <laughs> because like God's spirit really shows up and mm. we have a great group of girls who have been on the last few studies who are all like we're coming back so um yeah you should if you're looking for an amazing community definitely keep along with me my website's www.godchanger.com and yeah, that'll be, that'll be coming either late this year, or early next year. Oh, wow. I am so incredibly excited and um, please keep me updated because I'd love to continue to like support your journey and just see all that God has for you. And like, man, this has been such an incredible interview. Like I am so grateful for like everything that you shared and everything, like you were not afraid. Um, 
to lift the lid and shine a light in, in corners and, and, and places and just be so, so open hearted. So I just know that like God is so grateful for your willingness. And again, like I just know that your testimony and your love for the Lord is just going to help whoever needs it. And and that's just the most important thing. And I'm again, like, I'm so, so grateful that you were willing to do all of that. And um, yeah, and like you, you say in person next time, I believe me, like, I would love nothing more to do that and to get to spend time with you more in person. Um, and yeah, like with that being the the wrap of this episode again I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and to everyone who listened please 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 go check her out she's such a kind-hearted and filled with the spirit she is honestly like on fire for the lord and so if there's anything you know that she mentioned that you could use as a resource or even if you live in canada and you're like oh i might be able to put a good word um for her at my church like i just again like she is just rolling with all the punches and is on fire for the Lord. So again, like, thank you guys so much for coming in and listening to this episode. And I am so excited to just watch you grow as a person spiritually and and just in everything that God has for you. Um, But yeah, with that being said, this episode has come to an end. And just like Paul would say, XOXO, can't wait to see you guys and come over. Thank you so much for listening to What God Has Done With My Pain. As always, a huge shout out to Lazuli for her song, No Greater Love, that has helped make this podcast come to life. You can find her on Spotify and Instagram at Lazuli P-R-O-J and at We The New Breed, where you'll find artists using their gifts to glorify God. Swing by at What Way This Way on Instagram to catch some behind-the-scenes snippets. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss a single interview. In the meantime, I would love to hear from you on social media or email. Until the next episode.